You know, when people uh, fight and mock and make fun of what they call the prosperity message, which is really just part of the gospel, this is what they're fighting against, being able to do things like this for, for other people. They, they don't realize how uh, ignorant it is to, to, to talk that way because uh, how many realize you shouldn't make fun of the Word of God? Uh, you shouldn't mock scriptures. And that's what that is. Uh, look with me, if you would, in um, Romans, the 12th chapter. For some time now, we have been on a series that we're calling The Perfect Will of God. The Perfect Will of God. And um, we've covered a lot of ground prior to this. If you have not been with us, you're coming in past the middle of this series, and, and it'll be fine. You'll be able to, to join us today, but uh, how many think it would have helped them to hear what went before they were with us? So go online and uh, look at the previous message. You can listen to them. You can watch them. It won't cost you anything. There's no charge. Or if you're in the house here or in, in Branson and you want a DVD or a CD, you can get one of those. No charge. And around here we have a saying, uh, no charge, no cost means what? No excuse, no excuse for not knowing it. Not, you, can't, you can't say you couldn't afford it. So uh, anyway, uh, there's a lot that came before what we're talking about today. But our text, our main text here in Romans 12.1, Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Or one says your, uh, your worship. Uh, and notice the word acceptable and the word prove or that's distinguishing or differentiating. Uh, and he's talking about what is acceptable to God. That leads into the next part, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be, tra- be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, he, he started out talking about what is acceptable to God. Then he said, don't be conformed to this world. Why? Because much of this world is not acceptable with God. Much of what's happening in this world is ungodly, anti-God, not right, not good. And so you don't want to be conformed. Now that would tell you right there that everything that's happening in the world not everything that's happening is of God. Because if it was, if, if, if nothing happened but what it was the will of God, then what would be wrong with being conformed to what's happening? Can you see that? But no, we have to be told, don't be caught up in what most of the world is doing. Why? Because you want to find out what the will of God is. Well, that means you're not going to automatically be in the will of God if you're just going with the flow of the ungodly world. 
he said, how, are, how am I going to be transformed? How am I going to be different from the world? By the renewing of my mind. So don't assume just because you got born again that you think right. <laughs> or that you think like God does. No, you, you, we must immediately begin mind renewal. And what is the result of mind renewal? You come to realize the will of God. So that just because you're born again doesn't mean you know the will of God. And just because you're born again doesn't mean that the will of God's going to automatically happen in your life. Now this is something that a lot of folks have been confused about. And, and it comes back, like we said, there are two big errors on this subject when it comes to the will of God. One is that everything that happens is somehow the mysterious will of God. Or, except like this, nothing can happen except it's the will of God. And you'll hear people say things like, well, I, I just believe that everything happens for a reason. You ever heard that before? I just believe everything happens for a reason. Well, I don't really have a problem with that phrase if you understand that the reason could be that you didn't listen to God. And that it wasn't the will of God what happened. Okay, there was a reason, but don't imply that everything that happens is the will of God. Because disobedience is not God's will. Sin is not God's will, right? And so then the repercussions for that are not God's will. And the other thing is that people say, well, you, you can't, God's will is so uh, beyond us that you can't understand it. And Scripture tells us in Ephesians 5, 17, for instance, it says, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How could I be expected to ever find and do the will of God if I'm incapable of even understanding it? That doesn't make sense. We are commanded to find out and to understand the will of God and to do it. That's what's happening in mind renewal. Uh, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the result of that? That you may prove, that you may discern and distinguish what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Now, the perfect there, that word can also be translated complete. Complete. If there's a complete will of God, what else must there be? Incomplete. In other words, if there's a perfect, there's a partial. And so there's a whole lot of people on the planet that are totally out of God's will. They're not in the will of God at all. And the things that are happening in their life and happening to them are not the plan of God, are not the will of God. And then there are others that are saved and they are seeking God some for his will. They're willing to do his will some. So they're partially in the will of God. And then there's some, anybody want to volunteer for this next group? <laughs> that are willing to go all the way and be completely 
in the will of God. Do you know where the happiest place on earth is? It's not a theme park. The happiest place on earth is in the perfect will of God. It's the most satisfying place. It's the most peaceful place. It's the most joyous place. It's the safest place, the most prosperous place, the most effective place, the most peaceful place. It's not just a geographical location. It's in the center of the perfect will of God. Do you want do you want to do about it? Do do you want to do it because the truth is most of the world simply doesn't care. They don't want to know about the will of God because they have no plans of doing it. They got their plans. And even a lot of Christians, you know, bless their hearts, they they, they make their own plans and ask God to bless them. And he, and he can't just discard his plan and substitute yours. And so what you wind up, if you're partially in the will of God, you're partially protected, partially provided for, partial peace and joy. Come on, can you see this or not? This is how it is. So what we want to do is just exactly what that scripture said. Don't just be caught up in the flow of this defiant, rebellious, ungodly world. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of my mind. Come on, say, say it out loud, uh, people of God. Say, say, Lord, help me, Lord, help me to, renew my mind. to renew my mind. Show me how, Show me how. To, renew my mind. to renew my mind. So that what? So that I may prove or detect and discern and distinguish what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. And every day, in every way, you want to be checking inside about his leading. You want to look to his word. We, we gave you four things that the Lord has given us. How to find the will of God. I'm going to go through them again. Number one is you must have a willing heart. Uh, John 7, 17 talks about this. If, you, if anyone wills to be willing, they will know whether something's of God or something's of man. You, you'll get the discernment distinguishing between what's God and what's not if your heart is genuinely willing to do what he wants you to do before you even know what it is. Hmm? You can't say, well, Lord... Tell me, and I'll decide if I want to do it or not. Mm -mm. You're not willing. you got to be willing by faith. And the Lord knows if you're willing or if you're not. Uh, Jesus said oftentimes to people he spoke to, he said, uh, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. What does that mean? He's not just talking about somebody that had things on the side of their head or that could discern sound. What makes a hearing ear? Because he told people, he said, you can hear and not hear. You can see and not see. You can hear and see and not understand. Well, what makes an ear that actually hears? A heart. A willing heart makes a hearing ear. So you've got to be willing. And the sad truth is, 
Many people on the planet simply don't want to know God's will or plan for their life. And it, they, they don't, they're not willing to do it. They're not willing to change. Wouldn't matter what the Lord told them. They wouldn't do it anyway. They're not willing. But just, the Lord said this to me years ago, uh, about, you know, showing me about how these things compare with frequencies and sound waves. How that you can't pick up an FM station on the AM band. I don't care how much power and amplifiers you get and how tall of an antenna or how many speakers you have, you can put your bumper of your car against the, the radio station and be so, have so much uh, amps turned up so hot, you, it sounds like you're frying bacon two blocks away and you still will never pick up a thing. Right? You can't pick up uh, FM on the AM band. And the Lord said this to me. He said, you'll, you'll pick up the plan on the willing band. <laughs> if you, in your heart, you make an adjustment and you genuinely, not just talk, but you genuinely get willing, you'll start picking up what's, what has been being broadcast all the time. People say, well, why won't God talk to me? Uh, that's a lie. He is talking to you. You're on the wrong uh, station. That's why you're not picking it up. All you got to do is reach inside and tune willing. Willing heart. Genuinely willing. And it'll start coming clear to you. You'll start hearing inside what to do. You pick up the plan on the willing band. And then secondly, we talked about God's word is God's will. If the Lord said something real clearly in the scripture, you don't need to pray about that. You need to do it. Come on, are y'all with me? If it's already revealed in the scripture, that's not something you need to pray and fast about. You need to start putting it to practice. So his word is his will. If he says something in his word is his will, then it always was his will. It always will be his will for everybody everywhere. His word is his will. And then thirdly, uh, his spirit. We, we should ask. The Bible said if any man or woman lacks wisdom, let them do what? Let them ask of God. And he'll give to all people liberally and upbraids not. Jesus said, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be open to you. For everyone that asks, receive. Ask in faith. Uh, and the wisdom of God, I said it, maybe said it this way, the plan of God is the wisdom of God. How many would think this? God's plans are not foolishness. They're wisdom. Right? So the plan of God will always be the wisdom of God. Those terms are virtually interchangeable. And, and when the Lord is leading you to do something, you won't see it initially, but he already sees the end from the beginning. And if you have enough faith and wisdom to do what he says, you'll find out later, oh man, I'm glad I did what he told me to do. Because look how it turned out. Wisdom. But you must ask. And the scripture says in Proverbs 3, uh, in all your ways, acknowledge him 
and he shall direct your paths. So you want to be asking him. Now, if the word already says it, like we said, you don't have to pray about that. But there's, you can't find the specific detail answer to everything in life in the scripture. There's no scripture that tells you your name, where you're supposed to work during this period of your life. Or is it, is it right for you to marry this person or not? I mean, where are you going to find that out? The Holy Spirit who lives inside you, if you'll ask and look to him and listen to him, He'll show you. And then that's the plan of God. Follow that. So thirdly uh, is the Holy Spirit and asking or inquiring, checking with him. And you want to do this not just on Sunday for a couple of minutes. You want to do this every day and night of your life. In everything that's going on, don't just, the, the scripture said in Proverbs 3, don't you know, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That's where He is. Lean not to your own understanding. He gave you a mind. Use it, develop it, but don't rely on it for your direction. Hmm? Use your mind, develop your mind. But when it comes time to make a decision, you don't make it based on analysis. You don't make it based on cost. You don't make it based on demographics. You don't make it based on how many of your friends think you ought to do it. Come on now, listen to me now. This is how you get out of the plan. What do you do? You inquire of the Lord. Lord, what should I do? What should I do? And thank God for praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Check in your heart. And He will begin to give you a witness of which one to do. You'll have a peace about it. You'll have a confirmation. You'll have a witness. Follow that. And you'll be following the will of God. Hallelujah. The wisdom of God. And then fourthly is obedience. Obedience. What do you mean? Hosea said, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Uh, a lot of things you're not going to get just by praying about it. You'll get enough light to take a step. But then once, he, once he's told you what to do, uh, you won't get the rest of the picture until you take that step. In his light, we see light. And it's progressive. And the path of the just is like the shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the full day sun. So what does that mean? The further you go, the more you see. There are a lot of things you're just not going to see the rest of it until you act on what you know. You act on the first part, and as you go, as we take steps of faith, then the next parts of the plan he'll reveal to you. Now, you know, your, your head wants him to sit down with you and lay it all out ahead of time. But he's not going to do it that way because he requires faith. What does that mean? He requires us to trust him. He'll direct you, go through this door. Here it is. And you'll go, what's on the other side? Then what? And you'll hear crickets. 
<laughs> Why? Because you've got all you're going to get until you take that step. Huh? And, and a refusal to take it is lack of trust. You don't trust him enough to do what he said. Now, this comes, this introduces then what we're looking at today. Uh, help me, Lord, to get this right. Go to Romans, please, the, the eighth chapter. Everybody okay? What if I need a few more minutes today? You, would you have the time? We've done a couple of things that take extra time, and anything doing is worth doing correctly, not rushing it. Uh, Romans 8, some of this I've, I've never taught exactly like this, so I'm just trusting the Lord to help me step by step. He said, um, verse uh, 26, Romans 8, 26, that the Spirit helps our infirmities or our weaknesses. And the, the, the main weakness that he mentions here is not knowing. Is everybody awake? For we what? Verse 26, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. That's one of the greatest weaknesses we have as human beings is what we don't know. Um, you don't have to understand to have faith. Is everybody awake? You don't have to understand to trust. In fact, Perhaps the greatest test of faith is when you don't understand. When you don't understand. And he talks about the Spirit making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to what? According to... The will of God. This is why everybody needs to be able to pray in the Spirit. In other tongues. And if you say, well, I, I, you know, I didn't think everybody had the gift of tongues. That's incomplete thinking. There, there's, I won't take time to teach on it right now, but uh, every believer can and should speak in tongues. If you don't, don't get upset with me. Just search the scriptures until you get settled on this. I'm not. I already speak in tongues. So this is not. This is not for my benefit. It's for your benefit. Well, why do I need to speak in tongues? Because of what you don't know. That's right. So much of what you need, you cannot find up here in your head. No matter how many thousands of times you search for it, because it simply is not there. Right. <laughs> you could fill the ocean with books about what you don't know. <laughs> and what I don't know. <laughs> but thank God, the Lord has given us help. 
Come on, can you see this? The Holy Spirit helps what? Our weaknesses. What's the big weakness he mentions? We don't know. Well, how can you pray for what you don't know? Wouldn't be with your understanding. Why? Because you don't know. Are y'all with me today? Couldn't be. So it would have to be prayer that is not with your understanding. And 1 Corinthians 14 talks about that. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding also. So praying with the Spirit is not praying with your understanding. You don't understand what your, your mind doesn't understand what you're saying. And people say, well, what profit would it be then? Well, just read the scripture. You build yourself up on your most holy faith. It charges you up. It builds you up. It edifies you. And you pray out divine mysteries. The Holy Spirit is helping you to pray out things according to the will of God. Is this important or not? And verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Don't separate this verse from the previous two. Because you'll hear a lot of people take a piece of this and say, well, we know everything will work out for the best. No, we don't know that. No, that is not what that said. That's in the same category with everything happens for a reason. (laughs) So, well, that's what it said. No, read what it said. Is everything working out for the best for everybody? Everywhere? This This is addressed to a specific group. To them that love God. Does everybody love God? No. Maybe in here, I hope so. But but in the world, are you kidding? I mean, there's a lot of people in the world hate God. And here's the crazy thing. They'll say one day they don't believe in God. And then things go bad and they get mad at the God they don't believe in. A lot of inconsistency going on here. He either exists or he don't. If you don't exist, why would you ever get mad at at something that doesn't exist? Mm -mm. No. Who are things going to work together for good? Those that love God. Those that are called according to his purpose. Those that are cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Come on, can you see this? You got to put this all together. And... I'd add this, those that are obeying him. You might say, well, what's one got to do with the other? Because according to Jesus, the head of the church, if you don't obey him, you don't love him. Now, see, we don't like that. Flesh don't like that. Going on, his love is, love is unconditional. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't mean you get blessed the same. Whether you love or you don't. Or you obey or not. Go to John 14. Somebody needs a scripture. John 14. Oh man, I could use an extra hour today. Keep, keep it. Don't get scared. We'll, we'll, we'll be all right. Not that it would hurt you. Huh? 
I mean, a lot of people got no problem sitting three hours through a dumb movie. Right? So come on, we got a little time for the Lord and for His Word and to focus. This is important. John 14 and 21. Jesus, the head of the church, the master said this. He said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. That's who loves him. Not just the people who say they love him. How do we know if you love God or or not? It's just a bunch of empty talk or whether you really do believe in God and love God. How would we know that? You will do what he says. That's how you know. Me or you. It's he that loves me and he that loves me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Does this sound like finding out some things? Put put that up in the amplified please. Amplified version of this. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. Now see, there's a lot of people live on this planet and it seems like their lack of belief in a God is confirmed because they have no experience of God and to them it seems like there is no God. But it's because of their lack of faith and their lack of love, their lack of obedience. But to the people who love God enough genuinely to when they find out something he wants them to do, they do it. These people, the Lord reveals himself to them. Says He said, I will let myself be clearly seen by him. I will make myself real to him. Do we want God to be more real to us? Then we should get more serious about doing what he says. Because that's where the increase of the manifestation of his presence and of his will and of his plan and all of his things happens. Can you say amen? amen? And this comes back to what is known in the word of God as the fear of God. You might say, what? Yeah. The fear of the Lord, the fear of God. We talked about this a while back when we talked about how that God's plan is his wisdom. Well, how do you get the wisdom of God? The scripture tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Go with me to Proverbs. Are you all okay? I know I'm moving along kind of clickety-click, but... Hmm? Okay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There are answers here today. Answers in His Word. Answers by the anointing, by His Spirit, by His presence. Uh, you go to Proverbs 1.7. I'll read to you another verse on, on the way there. They'll put this one on the screen. Put up on the screen Psalms 111.10. 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 Psalms 111.10.
Psalms 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endures forever. You don't even begin to learn about the plan of God without showing some respect. Go with me, church. What is the fear of the Lord, the fear of God? It includes just what we said, respect. It includes reverence. And it actually includes fear. The Bible said it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Lost people should be terrified to die without God. Terrified. Horrified. But when you get born again and your name's in the Lamb's book of life and you know you won't be on the the wrong side of judgment in the end, you get delivered from fear. Hallelujah. And you have no reason to fear. But there is, it's no accident that there is so much disrespect and disregard in this world. When he says, don't be conformed to this world, that's part of what he's talking about. And you find, how many can realize it's been alive for a little while, things have not gotten better, they've gotten worse in the last 50 years as far as people even understanding some of the basics of showing some respect, showing some regard. And people have just gone down, down, down. No respect for anything. Nothing's important. Nothing's a big deal. Too loose. Too lax. Too casual. Too indifferent. Notice the words we got over the platform here. What does it say? Those that honor me, the Lord said, I'll honor. And the fear of God is this respect, this reverence, this esteem. And it's shown, or the lack of it shown, in how you talk about God. And how you talk about his things. And how you talk to him. God is bigger than we know. He's far greater than we know. He's far more powerful than we have any idea. He's far wiser than we know. And the beginning of us learning some things about wisdom and the plan and his will is starting from this point of showing him some respect reminding ourselves of who we're talking to and who we're talking about. And if, as you develop in the fear of the Lord, your whole being blossoms. Your mind expands. Your capacity to receive enlarges. We're, we're suffering today from evil seed sown in the 60s. And 
uh, now we've got three and four generations of people that don't believe in God, don't have any respect for the scriptures, and now their children have not been taught any kind of respect because they weren't taught any respect because their parents weren't taught any respect. Don't respect anything or anybody. And if you live like that, you will be miserable. And you won't know God. You won't have any revelation of his things and his will. Our God is awesome. Hallelujah. He's so mighty. He's so powerful. And he should be approached. Not, not, you know, as a child of God, I don't have to be afraid God's going to hurt me. But I should remind myself of who I'm talking to. The creator of the heavens and the earth. And I'm not going to inform him today of anything he's not aware of. I'm not going to teach him anything about my situation or about what needs to happen. Is that right? So I don't need to cry and beg and tell him a thousand times I need something. He knew it before I ever started talking to him. I need to show some deference. I need to show some reverence. I need to show some respect. And the moment I do that, I will begin. Come on, did you hear this? The beginning, I will begin to be aware of some things. I will begin to get some knowledge of holy things. I will begin to get some wisdom to see how to come out of this and how to get to the next thing. But the devil is the most disrespectful. He is the most derogatory, speaking, slandering individual there is. And that's why the world has become like it is and why it will get worse and worse unless it's checked. But you and I, we're in this world, but we're not of it. And we're not conformed to this ungodly world. Our minds are being renewed so that we think, and people can be ugly and disrespectful if they choose to, but I don't have to be. Hmm? And if you show respect to God, it will also be evidenced by you showing respect to people. That's just how it works. If it's in you, it's in you. All the time. It's how you think. It's how you talk. It's how you approach things and people. And oh man, you talk about a life of favor and grace. This is how you get it. This is how you flow in it. Is is. The fear of God, showing this reverence, this respect, this esteem for God. And worship, real worship, is one of the highest expressions of it. Hallelujah. You can't, it's impossible, you can't really worship God disrespectfully. Come on, can you see that? You can't. You can't. And the Bible said God is a spirit. And uh, uh, he seeks those to worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. What is that? Honesty and humility. 
showing reverence and respect. And one of the reasons why he seeks it is because it allows him to do for you what he wants to do for you. Hallelujah. But you come in with a bunch of attitude and you talk smack to God. You're going to be dumber next time we see you. It's just a fact. (laughs) Oh, my. One of the clearest places to see this that we're talking about today is in the book of Job. Say what? Yeah. Job. Job is one of the oldest, most ancient writings that we have. Those that study these things tell us it was written long before a lot of the other things. And it do well to remember that time too. This is a, uh, they didn't have scripture, much less the New Testament, and not born again, and they didn't know and have the things that we have. But we go to, go to the book of Job, just go ahead and turn there to the first chapter. We, we get a behind the scenes look at things going on in the heavens and in the, the, the unseen, unseen to us, realm of the spirit. And we get to see uh, judgments. And then we get to see the effects of it in the material world. I won't take time. There's 42 chapters. <laughs> and we got 20 minutes. What would that be? Uh, two, chapter, two chapters a minute? Is that, <laughs> I'm just going to admit I can't do that right now. And, and not that we should. But um, it begins by... Um, the enemy, the devil, the adversary, making accusations against Job before God, accusing Job to God. And you will find these two things keep coming up in these early chapters, accusations and cursing God. It's repeated. The enemy accused Job to God. Then Job's three friends accused Job of sin. Then Job accused God of being unfair. Now, if that sounds new to you, you need to read it again. And so you got accusations, accusations. Now, the Scripture tells us in Revelation... That the devil is the accuser of the brethren. This is not something he just did one time back then. It said he accused them. Talking about the brethren. Well, we're the brethren. He accused them before their God night and day. This is something the enemy is doing. When you really realize this, it will make you dislike him. (laughs) Even more. You might say, well, why is he doing that? It's not just for kicks. He's trying to build a case against you. It's legal terminology. Why? So he can get access to you. Why? So he can still kill and destroy. 
And so when you see things like, you know, that it said God judged or God did this, and you think, well, I thought God's a good God. Why would it say God did? You've got to understand what's happening is God is passing judgment that allows the destroyer access, but it does not please God, and it's not his will. Well, come on, did you hear that? Now, that's a whole, that's a series right there. But it, it's, it's accurate, I'm telling you. So, he's, these accusations are what's going on. And we know that the enemy got access to him. And when he did, immediately, he just starts wiping him out, man. I mean, he, 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 uh, he moves on robbers and thieves and individuals to attack him. How did they all get this idea at the same time? And converge on him and his people and his stuff. It's, uh, it's obvious it's the devil. Now the other side of this, the Bible talks about that when, when your, your ways please the Lord, he, he makes even your enemies to be at peace with you. And he, he would tell his people sometimes to do something, and they'd be concerned, uh, like going to the feast. Well, if I leave, uh, maybe the enemy will come get my stuff while I'm gone. And the Lord said, no, that he would cause the fear of God to fall on them. What does that mean? And this works today. If you're trusting the Lord, stay out of fear, do what he tells you to do. If the enemy tries to start something to hurt you or attack you or steal from you, and you're trusting the Lord to do this, a big old angel will lean on them. He'll lean on them. And all at once they'll get scared and go, oh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and, And they will forget about your stuff. The fear of God will fall on them. So what happened here, right after this happened, uh, the accusation was, Job will curse you to your face. And Job had been concerned that his children had cursed God. And then in the middle of this, Job's wife puts pressure on him and says, why don't you just curse God? What's this deal with cursing God? Why? The enemy is pushing it. He's pushed. Why did Job's wife, why is this the main thing she decides to push him on? She don't realize it, but the enemy's pushing her. And then she's pushing him. What's this deal about cursing God? The word, that word means to speak evil of or to attribute folly to. And, and it said, you know, that first couple of go-rounds, it said at the end of chapter 2, I believe it is, um, in all this, uh, Job didn't sin, and he didn't charge God foolishly. Did you hear that term? He didn't charge God foolishly. But you gotta, you got to realize that didn't last. Later on, he did charge God foolishly. He had to repent over some stuff. Now look at the third chapter, please. But we picked a book to explain in 20 minutes, didn't we? <laughs> well, if we need to, can you come back? I mean, notice what happens with Job at this point. 
he made it he made it pretty good in these first big hits that he got uh, bandits and thieves and murderers came stole all his his uh, livestock he had thousands of livestock they stole them all this was his wealth they killed all his servants all of all of his staff all of his employees and then the devil caused a storm to fall, to, to cause the house that his kids were in to collapse, killed all his kids the same day. Obviously the devil. And then he gets sick, terribly sick. He's got huge boils all over his body. And he can't sleep, he can't rest, he's in terrible pain. And when you're hurting inside and out, you can say some dumb things. Hmm? He's hurting. And you got to keep that in mind then with seeing some of the things he's going to say. And in Job 3 and 1, let's put that up. Job 3, 1. After this, Job opened his mouth and did what? See, what was the enemy pushing him to do? Curse. So at this point, he's not cursing God, but he's cursing the day he was born is what this is talking about. So this is too close. Can you see this? He's, he's starting to curse. This, this doesn't just mean use four-letter words. To curse means to speak evil of, to attribute folly to. He cursed his day. And notice what that sounds like. Verse 11. Why? Why didn't I die from the womb? Why didn't I give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Verse 12. Why did the knees prevent me? Why the breasts that I should suck? Verse 20. Verse 20. Wherefore, we'd say, Why is light given to him that's in misery? Why is life given to the bitter in soul? Here is, let me stop right here. Is this respectful? No, it's not. Job's getting off. He did good the first couple of rounds, even under all that pressure. But he's in pain. He's hurting. All his kids are dead. All his wealth is gone. He's in severe pain in his body. He can't get any any relief. You know, just not being able to sleep for days. Right? And all, he's in pain. And so he starts cursing the day he was born. And that he was ever, ever came to live and exist at all. And is coming out with this, why? 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 It's okay if you really want to understand something of the Lord to use the word why if it's respectful. But it is never okay. 
to ask God why in an accusative fashion. Because the opposite then happens. What's the beginning of wisdom? Come on, help me out. The fear, the reverence of the Lord. And this is not reverence. I've seen people do this. Why, God? Why? Your darkness is multiplying as we speak when you do that. You will get further and further away from any light, any understanding. Why? Because you, you don't know who you're talking to. If you had any understanding of who you're talking to, you would realize he's not your problem. Never has been, never will be, and he is your total answer. And being mad and talking bad about the only person that can help you is really dumb. And yet it's happening all over the planet. Why did you let this happen, God? Why didn't you do this? I prayed. I did this. Where are you? That's not okay. People say, well, you know, when you're hurting, it's okay. No, it's never okay. Especially the more you learn in God. And the more you see him do things for you. And the more you learn who he is and what he is. You know better. And hurting's no excuse. And if you're smart, you want to quit hurting. What's the quickest way to quit hurting? Accuse God of making mistakes and folly? No. You worship. Oh, is everybody awake? You worship. You don't accuse God and ask unbelieving questions. You reverence God and you worship God because you know He knows. He knows. Maybe you don't have a clue, but He knows why this is this way and He knows how to get it fixed. Is that right? And if you believe the Bible, He loves you. He cares about you. He has your best interest and heart and mind. If you say, well, if he does, why don't he do something about it? You ain't heard a word we've said. You don't know who you're talking to. See, these three people act like, because see, they do this at home. And they do this with each other. Maybe they grew up doing this. So disrespectful. Hurling accusations. You want to get delivered from that. That is conformity to the ungodly world. You want to get renewed in your mind. It's not God's will to talk like that or think like that with anyone. He said, don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But just that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Can you say amen? Amen. So, in Job 10, skip over there, and I'll try to give a little bit more of the picture here. Job's on a wrong track. And his three friends didn't make it any better. 
They provoked him. They came and sat there in total silence with him for, what, seven days, was it? And that was something. Just sit there and didn't say anything. And I'm sure their presence was a comfort to him. He knows they care. They made the trip. They came. They're there until they open their mouth. And the questions that people think are unanswerable are in this book. Why do bad things happen? That's what this whole book's about. And why do bad things happen to good people? That's this whole book. That's what it is. I think a lot of folks are going to go read Job again. (laughs) And uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Job's three friends says they don't. They don't. Bad things happen to bad people. And so it's obvious you've had all this terrible stuff happen to you. You obviously have really blown it. And so they got heated. They they started accusing him of gross iniquities. And he said, it ain't so. (laughs) I'm a righteous man. And the Bible said, first couple of chapters, he was a perfect man righteously. That didn't mean you couldn't make a mistake. And, but he makes a mistake. He said, God, I'm paraphrasing, God has made a mistake. This should not have happened to me. In fact, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, he said in Job 10, Job 10, 1, he said, my soul is weary of my life. I'll leave a complaint upon myself. I'll speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, don't condemn me. Show me where you contend with me. You know, verse 7, you know I'm not wicked. Who's he talking to? God. This is some attitude. And, and chapter 13 he says this, and you've got to remember, Job's hurting. I'm not knocking him. The Bible just tells you how it is. It doesn't, doesn't color it. Job 13 and 3, he's saying, I wish God had given me an audience so I could plead my case in front of him. He knows I'm not wicked. He knows this is not right. That all this has happened to me. Verse 3. He said I would speak to the Almighty. I want to reason with God. (laughs) And verse, verse 20. He said. God if you'll just do two things. You know. Withdraw your hand. And and don't make me afraid. I know you could scare me crazy. But if you'd let me talk. then, Then call to me. And I'll answer you. Or let me talk. And you answer me. Because I want to know. How many are my iniquities and sins? Tell me about my transgressions and my sin. Why are you hiding your face from me and you count me for an enemy? Respect? No. 
No, but don't don't judge him. You hadn't been there. You said some dumb stuff. It wasn't in that bad of shape. But tell me, what is the beginning of wisdom? The beginning of understanding. The fear of the Lord. The reverence. The respect. This is going the wrong way. And it's not surprising that he's going this this way. He's being pushed. The enemy is pushing him so hard. That's why he was pushing his wife to get him to curse God. That's why he's pushing his three friends to accuse him of all this stuff. Job feels like he's losing his mind. Come on, can you see this? And so he's like, you know, I'm, I'm, he, at one point he said, I'm full of confusion. And that's when he starts, you know, uh, accusing God of being unfair to him and unjust. <laughs> Y'all okay? Yes. Finally, in the, I say finally. <laughs> Whew. Go to chapter 32. I'll, I got to cut this short. Chapter 32, from chapters 3 to 32, not everything that was said is true. It's true that they said it. Come on, are y'all with me or not? You understand what I'm saying? So you got to watch about just pulling out a half verse out of something that Elihu or the other guy said, Zophar said, because these guys had to repent at the end of the book for some of the stuff they said. And yet it covers all of this wrestling and questions about why do bad things happen and bad things happen to good people. I said Elihu, but that that was the wrong thing to say. Elihu actually said right things. He was not one of the three friends. He's another individual. He's a fourth person that spoke in this. And he is, what he's saying, was inspired of God. And in fact, right in the middle of him talking, God said, I'll finish it from here. (laughs) Amazing. I'll finish it. But it shows the problem in chapter 32, verse 1, said these three men ceased to answer Job because he was what? Righteous in his own eyes. That is a mistake that Job made. He was a good man and a great man. But you don't go telling God how perfect you are. And you don't question God's wisdom and judgments and justice. You're never going to come out good doing that. And if you think he did something wrong, did something he shouldn't have done, or didn't do something that he should have done, I'm talking about God. If you think that, you are wrong. And when you find out more, you'll realize how wrong you were. But the enemy will push you. Oh, he'll push you. To question God accusatively. Where is he? 
Why didn't he answer that prayer? What, you know, after all you've done for him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That is the opposite of the fear of God. That's defiance. That's attitude. Disrespect. We want to watch how we talk about God. We want to watch how we talk to Him. We want to remind ourselves of who we're talking to. And that's what, that's what God did. The Bible said, verse 2, Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakel. Against Job was his wrath kindled, because he justified himself rather than God. See, he's saying that he's more just than God about this deal. You know that's not right. And against his three friends, his wrath was kindled because they had found no answer. They couldn't tell Job why that happened, and yet they condemned Job. They judged Job, and they condemned him. They were wrong. The three friends were wrong, and Job was wrong too. And if you skip on down, I lay these notes aside so I don't start over. Toward the end of the book, go all the way to the end. We got to fast forward. Elihu was speaking by the Spirit. And in chapter 38, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Elihu is talking about how righteous Job is and how much we don't know and what he was saying was right. And then here comes this wind. Of course, they hushed and they're looking at this. And the wind just stayed there in one place. And here comes a voice. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? The reason this is recorded is because how often does this happen? The Almighty showed up and responded to Job's request for an audience. (laughs) And he said, who is this? That's talking and they don't know what they're talking about. I saw this t-shirt one time. It says, help, I'm talking and I can't shut up. (laughs) A lot of folks have been there. They should have shut up a long time ago. And they just keep digging the hole deeper. (laughs) He said, gird up your loins like a man. Because I'm going to demand of you and, and you answer me. What's that? He's quoting Job. Because Job said, I wish he would call to me and let me answer him. Or let me call to him and he answer me. And I'd plead my case. And, and at this point he is shaking. He's trembling. He's thinking he, he never expected this to actually happen. 
And what God says is, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. And who, who laid the measures and stretched the line? And what's the foundation fastened to? When the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy and the sea broke forth like out of a womb. He's talking about creation. And he goes over thing after thing. He said, were you there? Did you know? Well, he didn't exist yet. Do you understand how the clouds work and how the lightning flows? Do you understand the source and the way of light? Now that, uh, this was century, this was millennia before anybody understood anything about Einstein's theory of relativity. You wouldn't have used that language unless you knew what you were talking about. The way of, of light. And he asked him question after question, not once did he talk about why what happened to him yeah. happened? Hmm. Why? Because that's not the point. Yep. It's not the most important thing. See, people think it is. The most important thing is why this happened to me. Or why this thing I wanted didn't happen to me. That's the most important thing. No, it's not. The most important thing is what you do when you don't know why. Because what's being tried here is not God. It's you. And whether you'll trust when you don't understand. Or whether you will yield to the enemy and listen to his lies and start getting disrespectful. And start accusing God and railing against him with questions about this and that. Showing you didn't really believe. You didn't. You only trusted him when it was going your way. Hmm? Where were you? Do you know? And for everything he said, what's Job having to say? No, I, I wasn't there. No, I have. I don't have a clue. No, no. I always wondered about that. No, no. And, and what's he saying? And he goes on to say, then how can you question me about my righteous judgments? You don't understand because he's God's telling him the basics. Now, granted, God basics. <laughs> The God basics of creation. You might say, well, why is he saying that? That's just mean. No, it's not. No, it's not. He's just trying to help you understand. How many know there's some things uh, a a three-year-old can ask you. You just, you give the answer. They wouldn't know what you're talking about. Right? You've got to grow and develop to even be able to understand the answer they would give you. And that's where we are with so many things with him. You don't have to understand to trust. And perhaps the biggest test of faith and trust is when you don't understand.
I'm convinced that for years and years and years after we get to heaven, years and years, ever so often we'll go, oh, <laughs> oh, no wonder, oh, oh, I see, oh, that's why, oh, oh, no wonder, hmm? And you know, every time we say that, you know what we're going to see? The Lord was righteous. The Lord was just and fair. The Lord was good. The Lord was even more merciful than you would have asked him to be. And the reason you didn't think so is because there was something wrong with your thinking. And there was so much you did not know. Now, we have not digressed as much as you may think. How do you find the will of God? His will is, is wisdom. Yes. Godly wisdom and plan. What's the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you want answers? Yes. Huh? Yes. You want answers to things you've been dealing with? Answers? What you must not do is get miffed at God. What you must, you, you, it, you're just getting more darkness. It'll get worse and worse and worse. It'll get harder and harder. The more ill you feel at him and the more you harden your neck and stiffen your neck and, and the more disrespectful and mouthy you get, the more miserable you will become. It's a hole that just keeps getting deeper and darker. But if you'll have some sense, fall on your face before God in genuine humility and worship the great almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Whose wisdom excels anything that human beings ever imagined. Reverencing, respecting. Honor him and you, it'll be the beginning of wisdom coming up in you and understanding. And you won't have to wait till you get to heaven to go, oh, I see. Oh, I see that, Lord. Oh, thank you for having mercy on me. Thank you for putting up with me till I could get a hold of that. Thank you. So for chapter 38, chapter 39, chapter 40 begins, The Lord said to Job, 40 verse 2, Shall he that contends with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproves or corrects God, let him answer it. And God actually paused and waited for Job's response. Who is... Contending with the Almighty. Who, who wants to instruct me? Who wants to correct me to reprove God? Uh, speak up now. God paused. Verse 3. Job answered the Lord. <laughs> he said, uh, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? 
I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I spoke, but I won't answer. Yeah, I did. I said it twice, but no more. Then the whirlwind started up again. And the Lord said, gird up your loins like a man. I will demand of you and and, and you declare to me, will you disannul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be righteous? You're going to tell me I'm wrong? I missed it? You see, they're not talking about why the devil was able to put sickness on him. They're not talking about why the storm was able to kill his kids. See, people think that's the big deal. Life is so short, all of this is going to be in your rearview mirror soon. I'm not saying it's nothing. It's pain. It's hurt. But what you must not do is falsely accuse your God. Question accusatively and disrespectfully his judgments and his ways. When you don't have a clue as to what's even going on or why or why not, you can still show respect. Can't you? You can still show reverence and honor. You can still choose to trust your God. Hallelujah. Without reading the rest of it, when he finished, Job said, I I repent. I repent in dust and ashes. You know, what he's saying is, I I opened my mouth. I said things I shouldn't have said. Uh, Repent means I'm changing. I have changed. I am changing. And then the Lord turned around to Job's three friends and said, what you've said is not right. And you're going to need to get him to pray for you. (laughs) And I'll receive his prayer. So they came around and go, Joe, would you please pray for us? (laughs) We're so sorry. We said all them ugly, mean things to you. Just dumb. Please pray for us. And so the Bible said, and when Job did, Job, isn't it good he didn't hold a grudge? He, he said, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. We were all hurting and said some stupid stuff. You just heard me repent. God have mercy on them. You know, they, they did, they're my friends. They just didn't know what to say. Got caught up in the moment. Have mercy on them. And the Bible said when Job was praying for his friends, God turned his captivity that disease broke. Hallelujah. He starts healing up. And then favor comes. So we talked about this. Everybody that had written him off showed up with money. So we're so sorry, Job. We're so sorry. Imagine word got around about that whirlwind and God speaking. Out. And, uh, and the Bible said that, that, that God added to Job twice. What he lost. Mm-hmm. Gave him more beautiful children. And he lived for a hundred and some. What 40 years. After that. And and saw peace. And good. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet if you would. I'm already past time. But 
I want us to receive communion over this. Ushers, come ahead to, to, the, to the tables and get ready for this, and we can play softly. If you have, if you're watching online, or if you're in the buildings, and you have, uh, you've said some disrespectful stuff that you shouldn't have said, you've uh, been upset with God for whatever reason or, or, or thing, thank God for the blood and the body of the sacrifice let's repent of disrespect and let's purpose to show proper reverence and remember who we're talking to can you agree with that said out loud father forgive me for saying foolish things disrespectful things you are a good God you are completely fair and just and always right I repent of any disrespect and I purpose to show reverence and godly fear hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Lord you can be seated and as you receive the elements hold on to them we'll take them together and we'll receive cleansing washing 